Thank you, Lord, that we can just, Lord, just wait for you patiently and know and rest in you and know, Lord, that you are coming and your help and your aid is coming to every single one of us, Lord. And Lord, we just say, Lord, we rest in you and you alone. And I thank you, Lord, that you even tell us, Lord, to refrain from all worry and even fretting, Lord, because it only causes harm. I ask right now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would release the rest of faith over each one of us. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm reading the passage for my husband. If you would like to turn to the Gospel of Luke, and I am reading Luke chapter 23 from verse 50. Luke 23, verse 50. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and a just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, he wrapped it in linen and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Amen. The word of God. Yeah, I preached a message up in Kurubong. I was on uh, Jacob when he said, uh, he was mistaken, but he said, um, Joseph's dead, Simeon's gone, now they're going to take Benjamin, all these things are against me. And sometimes it feels like that, everything's against you, but the reality is, if God is for you, who can really be against you and overcome you? I just want us to get up tonight. I know you've just been standing up. Get up and go up to someone and tell them that God is for you. I feel people need to hear that today. Your God is for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Just four words. God is for you. That's all. Just four words. Okay. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you want your word to impact us. You want us to change us. You want to transform us. 
Father, you've told us you want to renew our minds, you want to heal our lives, you want to mend broken hearts, you want to impart hope, you want to impart vision. And Father God, I ask you to do it all this morning through the power of your word. In Jesus' name, let your anointing come. Passage my wife read is, uh, is a passage about the resurrection. Normally people only preach it over Easter, but that doesn't mean you have to only preach it over Easter. And it's a... It's a, we're all familiar with it. It's the time where, where Jesus Christ, who had come from heaven and lay down his life for the sin of the world on the cross. He had just been crucified in agony, shed his blood. And at the time, it looked like Everything was over. All their dreams, all their visions, all their hopes, all they'd hoped for. Jesus had said he's going to come and establish a kingdom. He was talking about an eternal kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. They thought it was a worldly kingdom. They thought he was going to overthrow Rome, and now it was all over. And, uh, and now Jesus, after dying on that cross, is dead. And he is undoubtedly the center of this passage. He's undoubtedly the hero. He's the center of everything. And what he did on the cross, it's so amazing, it's so extraordinary that God would come for me after I know me, and he would die for me. It's just so extraordinary. And it took the disciples so long to comprehend it. You read it. They didn't really comprehend it for years. And it wasn't fully really comprehended until Paul came and interpreted it through the Old Testament, what this really meant. Then they started to understand the enormity of what Jesus is because he's hard to contain. He's, whenever he does something, it's hard to describe fully what it is because he is so great. He's working at so many levels. And he'd done that and... Uh, we, when I read this passage, I don't want to diminish the magnitude of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. But today, I, I want us to focus on three other people who, if you like, are the supporting cast. Jesus is the hero, but there's a supporting cast here. And the supporting cast are these three women. And Luke writes about them. Matthew writes about them. The two Marys and Joanna. And, and they, it says, came to the tomb. They came to the tomb. Jesus has just gone through his hardest trial. He's dead. Most people at the cross deserted Jesus, except a few women who stayed at a distance and watched his crucifixion. And at this time, Thomas is on the run. Uh, John chapter 2019 says that the rest of the disciples are hiding in a room for fear of the Jews. They're protecting themselves. And these three women, they're, they're all unique. There's Mary Magdalene. We know she was likely a prostitute, had been greatly forgiven by Jesus, and he so changed her life. He took away all her guilt and all her shame and so changed her inwardly that she loved him so intensely. And the others loved him for different reasons. And we sing this morning, hallelujah, and all the rest of it. Each of us here, we, we, we're here to express our love for Jesus. We've each got different reasons because he's each done different things in our lives. 
But they had been changed and touched by Jesus. And the simple expression there that they came to the tomb. They came to the tomb. See, many, when Jesus was doing miracles, when Jesus was cleansing the leper, people began to come to Jesus. And when he broke a little bit of bread and fed 5,000 people, these extraordinary miracles, crowds came to Jesus. And when he walked on water, Peter wanted to come to Jesus. When they, he raised Lazarus from the dead, couldn't stop people coming to Jesus. But now, Jesus is dead. And he's beginning to decay. And he's beginning to smell. And these three women came. And they came to minister to him when he was dead, decaying and smelling and Verse 56 says, they came bringing fragrant spices to take away the smell. And you'll find in life there are many people who want to come to you when you're on top, will come to you when you're winning, but when you're down, when you're in a pit, not everybody wants to come. But the people who come to you at that time, people who come to you when you're not on top as Jesus was, when you're in a place of darkness as Jesus was in a tomb, these people came to him at that time. And they came to him when he begin to smell. You know, sometimes in your life, sometimes you'll cross a, a, a line you never thought you'd cross or do something in your life and, and suddenly <laughs> you don't smell so good. And you remember who comes to you. You'll never forget people who come to you and come to minister to you and be the fragrance of Christ to you when you stink. Everyone wants to be around you when you're at your best. But there are some people, I remember a situation when I did something, I even surprised myself many, many years ago. And a lot of people fled and just departed because sometimes if you're in ministry, people think you're Jesus. Anyway, there are a few brothers who just stuck. There's a scripture that speaks about a brother who is born for adversity. And friends that stick closer than a brother. And these women, they came to Jesus. They came to Jesus to take away the smell, minister to him. They came to Jesus to minister to the body when the body could do nothing for them. They came to minister to him when he was of no earthly use to them. Everybody else deserted him but these three women. And you know why they came to him? They came to him because they loved him. Just simply because they loved him. And you know, when you're down, you don't need people around you who are wise, who are rich, 
who are clever, who are successful, but you value people who love you. Do you know how valuable it is to have people around you who love you, really love you, whether you're good, whether you're not so good, whether you're winning, whether you're losing, whether you're up, whether you're down, they love you. You've got to have people like that in your life. If you don't have people like that in your life, you can have all the tea in China, all the cattle on a thousand, you can have all the money, but you're poor. You're poorer for it. The wealth of a person is married by the quality of their relationships. And as I get older, I'm just so getting so much more aware of the value of having people in your life who love you and you love. And the reason I say that is that this is a beautiful picture. These women, at this stage, they're the only people. Bob Dylan sang a song many years ago called Covenant Woman. I'll threaten to sing it in a minute. <laughs> and you'll all leave. But it's a beautiful song about a covenant woman. Now see, because Jesus, they realized, had given all for them. Jesus came when they were dead in their sin. And he ministered to them. And these are the only three women who lived and understood covenant and came to him where he was dead and could do nothing for them. They came to minister to him. And I believe what God wants to do in the church today and what he is doing in the church today, he's, nobody cares about how good our show is here today. Nobody cares about how we perform anymore. Nobody's coming to church anymore because it's a great entertainment show. What people are looking for is different relationships. And what we are supposed to be are people in covenant with God and in covenant with one another. There shouldn't be people in the church who feel our relationships are happening at a superficial level. And if I, if I blow it, if I do something outside the box, everybody's going to leave. But sadly, that's often true in Christendom. We feel if we do something, if we're not perfect, people are going to leave me. People are going to We are meant to be differentiated. Yes, because we've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but also by the quality of our relationships. And we are meant to be, God is calling us to be covenant people, to be people of covenant. Hesed, the word hesed in the Old Testament means faithful love. And God, the whole book of Hosea speaks about how God never quits on us. God never, ever stops loving us. He never, ever stops wanting us back. Never, ever stops being for us. Never abandons us. And yet only three women had moved into the place of covenant when Jesus died. Only three people came simply because they loved him. You know, it's really dangerous these days, and, and it's, I think it's happening more and more since COVID. People are living like islands. People are living thinking, I can just be on the internet. Some people probably didn't come to church today because you're watching at home. You cannot do well as an island. You need people around you who love you. You just need it. 
You need to be relational. I was just reading, you know, the other day, we often believe I'm gonna, God's going to open a door for me. I'm a person of destiny. You know, it's never going to happen outside of relationship. If you're not relational, I'm just, I just realized never going to happen. You know who God uses to open doors? People who you've served and loved. I've learned that. I think someone from outside is going to come. No, it's someone you've served and loved. I don't know how, but they're going to be the key to the open door. It's like Joseph. He's in prison. He's got a promise. He's got a destiny. He knows he's going to, he knows he's going to be that prime minister or, or whatever. And he's going to be that man who people bow down to, a man of, of importance and status. But he, how did it happen? There was a man who was in a bad place, a man who was not on top, being brought into the prison. And Joseph saw him and came to him and ministered to him like these women. That man goes back to Pharaoh and says, you need this guy. I really know God is actually saying that he wants to deal with the superficiality of contemporary Christianity. There's so many people today, I'm not speaking about this church, I'm talking about the, the church universal, the whole body of Christ, who they come for a word of hope on a Sunday. They come for a, a, a hopeful message and they hear the word of God preached, but sometimes they come alone and they leave alone and their relational life is no better, sometimes even worse than people in the world and it's not meant to be so. We are meant to be people in covenant relationship in, with covenant loyalty to one another and that's what God wants to bring back to the church he wants to bring back a people who are committed to God but also committed deeply committed to God's people whether you're on top or whether you're not on top and to understand this a beautiful passage of the scripture that really highlights this is the book of, of, of Ruth and if you turn to the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth is a, it's a real, begins as a book of tragedy. So many lessons in the book of Ruth. Never ever move out of the will of God through fear. Because there's a covering when you're in the will of God. And Naomi and her husband left Jerusalem where they were supposed to be. Went to Moab because there was food there and Jerusalem was in a famine. And tragedy happened because they moved outside of the will of God. And sooner or later, the Lord visited his people and gave them bread. So they didn't have to go anyway. Their fear of starving was illogical because they served the one true God. But she goes, and, and the story is that Naomi leaves Jerusalem and takes her husband. They go to live in Moab because there's food there. And after a short while... Naomi loses the three significant men in her life. They all die. Could you imagine that? In those days, women depended completely on men for their survival, for their social status. Everything was tied up in your man. And her husband dies. She has two sons, and they marry two Moabitesses, two women of Moab, one called Orpah, one called Naomi, no, one called Ruth. They, her sons marry, and then the sons, husband dies, and the two sons die. 
So it's, it's, it's tragedy beyond brokenness, beyond belief. It's just such a tragic start in the book. You've got to understand it. And there, she's in this place. And she comes to the two daughters. And she says to the two daughters, uh, I'm old now. You are in a place where previously I provided for you husbands. And you need husbands now because husbands are the key to your survival, your provision, your status. She said, but I'm old now. I can't wait to marry another man. And by the time he, we have children, it's going to be too late for you. I can't give you anything. So she says that. And I'll read it from verse 12, her speech. She says, turn back, my daughters, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, or if I should say a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voice and they wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back. Gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from you. Listen to this speech. Or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do, to, do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a beautiful speech. Naomi had taught Ruth about the one true God. Naomi had taught Ruth about the ways of God. Naomi had the life of God in her and Ruth was so blessed by what she taught her, what she showed her. She discovered that she could have a real relationship with the living God. Naomi, as a Jew, had taught her all those things. But now physically, materially, she could do nothing for her. Orpah had the same teaching. But Orpah's attitude was, though you've done all those things for me, now there's nothing in it for me physically. There's nothing in it for me, this relationship. I'm off. That's what people are like today. I joke. You know, we say in marriage, till death to our part, we should ch change the vows to as long as I'm happy. Because the reality is, in our contemporary world, we walk with people as long as I'm happy. And then as long as my, when my personal happiness is threatened, I'm out of here. When you can do nothing for me, now I'm out of here. And I've seen it even in the church. People will come, they want to use your anointing, I want to use your grace. I want to... But are they covenant people who are in covenant loyalty with you? We live in a world where, where it's becoming increasingly utilitarian. It's increasingly, and we have these deals that 
I'll walk with you and you walk with me because you're helping me and I'll help you a bit. You, you, but it's got nothing to do with covenant. Orpah is a utilitarian person. She says, yes, you've helped me. You've done all these things for me. But now there's nothing in it for me personally. I'm going back. I think my chances will be better back there in Moab. But Naomi, sorry, but Ruth looks at Naomi and she says, the life of God, the wisdom of God, the word of God flows from you. All the things that are really important are in you. And she says, now, Naomi's about to take a trip from Moab back to Jerusalem. You're going to go through a desert as women. It was full of bandits, and they were likely, without the grace of God, they likely die in that trip. They die of thirst or they die through bandits. And she says to Naomi, she says, I see the God in, in your God. And she says, your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. In other words, she's saying, because of the life of God, the wisdom of God, the word of God in you, I'm with you even if it kills me. I'm, I'm with you even if it kills me. I got no other option because I value the things of God above everything else and I value that it's in you because God puts all that wisdom and that word and that knowledge in people. She goes and she's a covenant woman. David had covenant people in his life as well. That's why he's the ultimate kingdom man. He was also a man in covenant. Jonathan had a relationship with David and he says, you know, you're, you are more important than me than my own father. He had men who loved him so much they said, we, we, when David was thirsting, they actually broke through the enemy's lines went and fought a battle they didn't have to fight put their lives in the line to bring David back a helmet full of water and he was so in covenant with them that when he saw such devotion he said I'm not going to drink it I'll get an offering and he tipped it out and God is calling his people to I believe to question and to check our relationships have we been, through COVID, have we been pushed? You've got to stay a meter away from me. You've got, to, you've got to stay a meter and a half from me. I can't get too close to you. Has that affected the way we do life? Has that affected the way we do relationship? Has it affected our love for one another? Has it, has it made our relationships more superficial? I believe it has. And God is actually calling his people back into not just connectedness, but covenant connectedness. You want the church to be a place where you are known and know others, where you are loved and love others, where you got people you know in the church that even if you're down, even if you're a pit, even if you stink, they're for you. And they're coming for you. They're coming to minister to you, not to condemn you. You know, the... This woman, Ruth, she's like Mary, three Marys, who 
came to Jesus when seemingly he had nothing just because she loved them. He loved, she loved, they loved him. This woman is following Naomi, who is a representative of God, simply because she loves her. Can't give her anything, but she's following her because she loves her. She's not after money. She's not after a job from her. She's not trying to use her from anything. She's not a selfish woman. This is in her character. She is a covenant woman in her character. And you know what happened to her? A man called Boaz saw her. He was attracted to her, not because she had good legs. He was attracted to her because she had covenant character. He saw the way she treated Naomi. He saw there was a depth to this woman. He saw there was a selflessness to this woman. He saw this woman valued people above money. And he looked deep in her and he said, there's real beauty. There's something to be valued. A covenant woman. You know, in the passage where these covenant women, three women, come to Jesus. It says... These covenant women come to Jesus who has, who's dead, smelling. But they come to minister to him, to give to him, to take away the smell. And, of course, Jesus is alive. And when they discover that, they left so joyfully. And there's a scripture that says, Tears may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. If you're a covenant woman, if you're someone who is a covenant person, I want to tell you, your tears will never, your tears will always be temporary. God will ensure it. This book highlights it. It begins with brokenness, with no human hope. But it ends with blessing beyond comprehension. This woman has not only got a husband back, she's got a rich husband. She's got a husband who's in the line of Christ. She's got her heart's desire because she's a covenant woman. And for every covenant woman, tears may endure for a night, but joy will surely come in the morning. The question is, are we covenant people? Are we covenant people? If you are, you know, I said she was attractive to Boaz. But covenant love makes you attractive to everybody. It, people will be drawn to you. But if you're a utilitarian, I'm waiting to see what's in it for me. You just be like everybody else. People just see you as everybody else. You may use Christian language, but they won't be attracted to you. People are attracted to covenant. People are drawn to covenant. They may not even understand it. But Boaz looked at all the other women. He says, that one. There's something deep about her. There's something different about her. The way she treats that mother-in-law of her. The way she stuck with her when she was down. The way she didn't give up on her. And she kept walking with her, whatever, and walked away. There's something about that woman that I want. I believe that's what the world, the world's like Boaz. It's looking for something different in Christians. And it's very much to do with the way we relate with one another, how we treat one another when we're down, how we treat one another when they smell, where they blow it, where they fail, 
We don't wipe them off. We actually come with fragrant spices like the women's work to minister to one another, to bring people back alive. You know, the key to covenant, being a covenant person, is actually understanding the type of relationship that Jesus Christ is in with me. He's, he said to me, he said, before he left and ascended, last words of Jesus was, was, I will never forsake you. That means when I'm preaching the gospel to 50,000 people in Pakistan, he's with me. Or whether I shout at my kids and I totally disappoint myself, he's still with me. On my best day, he's with me. And on my worst day, he's with me. He comes to me to minister me in the morning, whether I've been good. He comes to me in the morning to minister me, whether I've been bad. The disciples didn't come to Jesus when he was defeated and in the grave. The crowds didn't come to Jesus at that time. They came when he was on top. But these women came, came. Why did they come? One reason alone, they loved him. We, we are to love one another. That's what makes you a covenant person. We are to love not only him, but we are to love and minister to one another. When we're good, when we're not so good. I just want to, I want, I want to finish today. I want to preach long today. I want to finish today by asking you, one, about the quality of your relationships. When you're down, do you have people that you know, care, come to you to pick you up? Do you have people... Not, not coming to give you their opinion, not coming to give you their theology, not coming to give you their money. Just come because they love you. Do you have people in your life like that? If you're not, we're going to pray. God brings people into your life. Because he will. And are you a covenant person? Are you in covenant in your marriage? You're just committed till death do us part. I'm just... No matter what happens, like Ruth to Naomi, it doesn't matter what we go through, even if it kills me, I'm yours. You're not getting rid of me. And do you see people in a utilitarian way? Do you think, well, if your usefulness, you're useful to me, I'll relate with you. But if not, I'll stay away. Or do you actually want, do you be, want to be that person who comes to someone in need? Do you want to be that person? The Bible says love compels us, actually moves us towards, the love of Jesus compels us 
to those who are broken and hurting. Particularly, not out there, but in here. In here. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants our relationships not to be superficial. He wants us to know each other, to be known, to be loved, and to love. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for our relationships here today. That our relationships be beautified by the Holy Spirit. That God brings some people into our life, if we're alone particularly, who love us. Maybe as we pray, the Holy Spirit will point out to you some people who are alone, that you can meet their need. We're going to pray that we be like these women, or covenant women, people in covenant with Jesus, but also one another. I'd just like us to put our hands on our hearts today, because this is a matter of our heart. Father God, I thank you that you alone can change the human heart. And Father God, where our hearts are, are alone. Father, I'm asking, Lord, you would bring people into each and every person's life. Everyone would know. Everyone would relate to people. They would have someone, at least, who they know loves them, who will come to them, who they can share with, no matter what. No matter what they do, that person will never stop being for them. I'm praying for every person who is alone here today, who is in that place of loneliness. That is not your will, Lord. Father, I know that you will never leave them, but Father God, you want to connect them with people who care. And I'm praying for supernatural divine connections today, that you will put people together. Father God, where we are sitting there and maybe just concerned about our own world, I'm asking that you will show us the people that you want us to minister to as the woman came to Jesus. Tell me who you want me to go to. Show me in the morning who needs my love and attention. Move me by the power of your Holy Spirit to those that are hurting each and every day. I pray that for my own heart. And Father God, I'm praying today for for us that we would be loyal to one another. Father God, that we would not be users of each other. But Father God, we would want to give as you give to us. I thank you, Lord. It is truly better to give than receive. It is better to minister someone else than to be ministered to. Father God, move us. Move us, change our hearts. Where we've become disconnected through COVID, where we've become individualistic. Father God, I'm asking as a church, you'll do something greater and something new and something fresh, that you will bind us together. That see, we are not our own, that we've been bought by a price, that we belong to the body, that I'm needed and I need others. Remove that individualistic Self-centeredness in my heart. Wash it all clean. Make me today. Help me. Make me be a covenant man. Covenant woman. Because you're a covenant-keeping God. In Jesus' name, all the people said amen. Let's stand up and pray. Let's stand up and pray.